Let's take our Bibles tonight, if you would, and let's go to Acts chapter 11, please. Acts chapter 11. Had a wonderful meal this afternoon. Got to take a nap. And then I had to run my kids out of my room and get off my gift basket. I said, that's mine. It's in my room. You go to your room. Stay in your room. They said, well, we don't have a gift basket over there. I said, well, don't know what to tell you. <laughs> Uh, Acts chapter 11, you reach a place, let's stand together tonight. Those that are willing and able, let's look together. Acts chapter number 11, when it began in verse number 19, the Bible says very clearly that now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phineas and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. Some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned unto the Lord. Then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man full of the Holy Ghost and of faith and much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. When they had found him he brought him into Antioch and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Our Father, tonight we thank you very, very much for one more opportunity to be gathered with your people in the house of God. Dear Lord, tonight I stand before you very needy. God, I need you in ways that probably I'm not even aware of. But Father, what I am aware of is, Father, that I'm frail, I'm inept, and there is nothing within me to be able to deliver the message that you've laid upon my heart and you have for us tonight. So God, I pray from the very depth of my heart that you'll help. I pray that you clear my mind, my thoughts, and please fill my voice with thus saith the Lord. God, may you work within us, work on our hearts. Father, I, I'd be real honest tonight. I, I want to do a good job, but I want to do it for you. Father, I want you to use this message in ways, dear Lord, maybe we're not even aware of. I pray you speak to all of our hearts, challenge us about our place in this call to worldwide missions. Help us tonight. God will be very careful even now to thank you, to praise you as we ask it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so very much. You may be seated. Acts chapter 11 here tonight is actually connected back to a few chapters to the left beginning in chapter 8. You'll remember that the persecution had arisen to the church at Jerusalem and it really had an impact on what we see going on here in chapter 11. If you wouldn't mind, let's go back over just to chapter 8 real quickly tonight and let's look at a couple of verses. Acts chapter 8 verse number 1, the Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that's speaking of Stephen, 
And it says, and at that time there arose a great persecution against the church which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea, Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering to every house and hailing men and women, committed them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. We're told here that Paul at this time is Saul and he has caused a great persecution to come upon the house of God. We understand that in this he's wreaked havoc. The word havoc means to cause injury, to ravage, to devastate, to almost decimate to nothing. Paul, what he would do is he would go into places and he would literally find out and catch word that people were members of this congregation at Jerusalem. And he'd go into their homes and he'd haul them off and commit them to prison. And I really tell you tonight, that's not some of the worst things he did. You ought to study and read about some of the things that he did about wreaking havoc. I'm telling you, the Bible's exactly right when it says this word havoc. He caused devastation to come upon the house of God. I say this tonight. The Lord's churches in our day and age, my friend, this is not the first generation that's, that's had some issues and problems and obstacles in our way. I tell you, we've enjoyed a real uh, long time of peace and prosperity as God's people. But I'm telling you, our history is full of persecution. And so we see that Paul has done this. He's gone in and he's caused a great devastation to fall upon this congregation. And as this persecution mounts, we are told back in our passage in chapter number 11 that there were those that went everywhere preaching the word. I, I think that's a good reminder for us tonight that really everywhere we go, we ought to have the mindset of being able to preach or to pass on the word of God. I think hey, when we go to Walmart or we go to some uh, restaurant or we go to places, there's opportunities all around us to share the gospel and, and preach the word of God. So they did. We're told that they went as far as to the city of Antioch. And these men that went into the city of Antioch, they were preaching to the Jews. And the Bible says that they went to a group known as the Grecians. And just for information purposes tonight, the Grecians were Jews that had really taken on themselves Roman customs. They more identified with Roman society and Roman customs than they did their own Jewish heritage. They were sometimes called Hellenists. And that was a real kind of derogatory term that they used, the Jews would use to people, teaching that they were more loyal to Rome than they were their own heritage and where they come from. But these men went into the city and they preached the word of God. And the Bible says that a great number of them believed. I tell you tonight, we don't know what this number is. 
We're told in other occasions of the Bible how many people got saved. For instance, on the day of Pentecost, we know that 3,000 came to Christ. We know in Acts chapter 4 when Peter was preaching at the temple that another 5,000 got saved. But we don't know here. We're not told tonight how many. That's just the fact that it's a great number. But I say this to each and every one of us. My friend, if it was just one person, it's still a great endeavor and it's still a great need and there's still a great miracle. It's not just about how many multitudes of people come to the Lord. If one person trusts Christ, it's worth all the effort that's given into it. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we have this mentality and we present that, well, Jesus died for every one of us. And I want you to understand tonight, I believe that. I'm not one of these that believes God only died for a select few or he chooses some to heaven and some to hell. I don't believe you find that anywhere in the word of God. But I think we would be better suited tonight and more representative of the Bible if we would word it in the fact that God died not just for every one of us, but he died for each one of us. Because each one of us is important. Every soul matters. The Bible teaches that Jesus was willing to leave the 90 and 9 and go after that one lost sheep. I'd be the first one to thank the Lord publicly tonight that he came after that one. He came to where I was in my sin, in my muck, and all the things that I was involved in and literally salvaged my life. What a great God we have tonight when we understand what he does in the life of one sinner. But a great number of these Grecians turn to the Lord. And here's what we find we find that as they get saved, you go down to verse 26 in our passage tonight, and after a year or so, there's a church. There's a church located, established by the glory of God in this particular city. Now I want to tell you tonight, that's the ultimate goal of missions. You say, what do you mean? It's to have and provide people with their own house of God that they might come and worship and serve and honor God and be able to reach out to their area and to their world. I'm telling you the ultimate goal of missions is to be able to plant churches and have people provided with the house of God. Now, I know there are help ministries along the way and I'm all for that. I'm telling you the ultimate goal, what we're looking for, is to be able to establish New Testament Baptist churches that people might be able to bring glory unto God. So my question to us tonight is how, do we, how is this done? Because you go from a bunch of Grecians that have turned to the Lord and they've got saved... And then we see a church. But really there's some other things to be observed along the way. There are other things that happened to allow a church 
to be established. Tonight, with the Lord's help, I want us to look at this thought, the pattern of mission work. The pattern that we see that really ought to be followed by every New Testament church. Number one, I want you to notice with me tonight the recognition by the church. Look what it says with me in verse 22. It says, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. Hey, they heard what was happening in Antioch. Now, if you go back to verse 19, you'll find that those that were being persecuted were scattered abroad. The word scattered is an interesting word because it means to be sown, but it also means to be dispersed or to be sent. We sometimes read this, and if we're not careful, we get the idea that, well, they were just scattered in the sense that they just haphazardly went everywhere. But that's not really the idea. It's not like taking a bag of M&Ms and open it up, and they fall, and they scatter everywhere, and there's no rhyme or reason. They just happen to go every which way. The word scattered here means they were literally sent, they were dispersed, they were given orders to go. They went preaching the word of God and some people began to get saved. The, the seed was sown and it began to bear fruit. And the church at Antioch is now receiving reports. And, and by the way, not only are missionaries today on deputation, but missionaries periodically take furloughs to come back to churches and report about what's going on. That's a biblical example. It's not something we do as our Baptist traditions. It's found in the scriptures. And so we find that the church at Antioch had, or excuse me, yeah, at, Ante uh, at the Jerusalem had caught word they were reported to about what was taking place here. Now, I want you to understand with me, they recognized, they heard, they were given word about what was going on. And my friend, they realized they had a responsibility to what was taking place. If Antioch was to have a Baptist church, guess who was responsible to give it to them? Is Jerusalem. There is no other churches with authority at this time. Nobody else has the wherewithal to be able to. So this church has the responsibility. They recognized, hey, God is doing something in the city of Antioch. Don't you want to be around a place or be a part of something that God's doing? I tell you, I'm interested in being a part of what God's involved in. And there's a lot of things today in ministry and missions that man has their fingers in that God's nowhere around within a hundred miles. But I am interested in being a part of that which God is doing. And my friend, he was doing some amazing things in this city of Antioch. And thereby... What they did is they sent Barnabas to go check this thing out. When they heard, they caught word. Now this isn't the only time. If we would take the time to go back to Acts chapter 8, we'd see in verse 14, 
that Philip had been sent out of the church as an evangelist and he was preaching and people began to get saved in Samaria and the Bible says that when the church at Jerusalem recognized or uh, heard that they received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John. And so we see that they recognize what God is doing. Say, preacher, what's your point tonight? My friend, if we're going to fulfill the great commission, and Brother Smith is exactly right, it is a commission, it is a command given to the house of God that we, it's not well if we want to, if we have time for it, if it fits in our schedule. As a church, it is to be one of our priorities. It is a command given to us. And thereby this church recognized and they wanted to do everything they could to endeavor to fulfill that which God had asked of them. Do you realize tonight that if we're going to be involved in that which God wants us to do, especially when it comes to planting churches, we need to recognize the hand of God, the leadership of God. I, I tell our people all the time at home that just because we have a heart for it, just because we want to doesn't mean that God wants us to be involved in every ministry. We don't support every missionary that comes through. I'd love to if it was available to us, but we have a limited amount of resources and finances and those kind of things. And so we try to find out what is God doing? What would God have us involved in? And thereby... What would God call us or lead us to do? So, preacher, why is that important? Because there are some that believe, well, you know, you don't have to have a call of God. You don't have to have the leadership of God. You can just go anywhere, everywhere and do what you want. If, if there's a place that needs a church, just start a church. And, and that sounds real good, but you study your scriptures. And my friend, God calls men to places to accomplish his work. And we need to recognize that tonight. Where is the hand of God and God calling men to his service? Where is God leading those men and leading us as a church to get involved? You see the call of God in Acts chapter 13. Paul and Barnabas were later in the church at Antioch serving, honoring God, doing what God wanted. And the Holy Spirit said, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work wherein do I have called them. I'll just tell you, I believe God still calls men today to particular fields and area of service. And I'll tell you that I believe God calls churches to support and get behind particular ministries. If we're going to fulfill the commission, the command that God's given us, we need to recognize where is God leading us. Acts chapter 16, Paul had a desire to go into Asia and to Bithynia, and yet the Holy Ghost wouldn't allow him. He ended up getting what we call normally the Macedonian call, and my friend, some great things happen. Do you realize tonight the trail of the gospel we have 
in our world today, America has the gospel because it came through Europe, which literally ties back to the Macedonian call that the Apostle Paul received. It's incredible. I'm just telling you that we need to recognize the hand of God. We need to recognize as a church, where does God want us? Where is God leading us? What is God asking of us? And where is he working for us as a congregation? Let's also notice the responsibility of the church. In verse 22 it said, Then tidings of the things which came to the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem. And what did they do? They sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch. Because the Great Commission was given to this church, they had the sole responsibility to organize this work into a scriptural New Testament church. In order to do that, they sent a man by the name of Barnabas. I want us to think about this tonight. Where did Barnabas come from? When they got ready and they needed somebody to represent them and send to accomplish the work, they had somebody from that particular congregation ready and prepared to do the work that God wanted them to do. My friend, Barnabas was a missionary sent out from Jerusalem to the church at Antioch to accomplish that which God wants. I want you to notice just a couple things about Barnabas and this responsibility. If you go back over with me and look in Acts chapter 4 tonight, notice something with me. Acts chapter 4 verse 36, the Bible says in Joseph, who was by the apostles, was surnamed Barnabas, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, and of the country of Cyprus. Listen, Barnabas was a member originally of the church of Jerusalem. He was raised there. In fact, you study, you find out that he was saved under Peter's preaching at the temple there. And when those 5,000 got saved, Barnabas was a part of that. He was baptized in that congregation. He was trained in that congregation. He was prepared to serve the Lord right there from that church. I think sometimes we get the idea that God calls missionaries and somehow they're from this group or that group. You know where missionaries are called out of? They're called out of churches just like Mount Zion Baptist Church. God raises up laborers to serve him from churches just like this one. Barnabas received his education and his preparation under the teaching of the men that were in that congregation. Wouldn't it be something tonight if God began to direct Mount Zion Baptist Church to a particular area, to a particular area of need, laid it upon your pastor's heart and the church's heart, began to direct wouldn't it be great is when that came, there was somebody already ready, prepared to go and willing to accomplish what God is asking of this particular congregation? 
Your pastor said it this morning and said it a whole lot more eloquent than what I would say it, so I'm just going to steal his words from this morning. The very fact is that I don't believe God calls everybody to the mission field, but I certainly agree that everybody ought to be surrendered to it. And I think the greatest thing we can do is prepare our lives to be used of the Lord. We send our doctors to be prepared before they ever end up practicing medicine. We send our lawyers to school. We send our people that are dealing with these temporal things in this world to make sure that they're trained and prepared to do the job that they ought to be doing. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I'm telling you, my friend, there's not a greater work on the face of planet Earth tonight than trying to get the gospel out and plant churches. And the greatest need that is need is an education a preparation from God's people to be ready and willing to serve the Lord. Listen, it's the church. It's the church that has been commanded to train and to teach them to observe all things. So there's the preparation for this sending, but then there's the authority in this ascending. In Matthew chapter 28, Jesus said, All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore. He's talking to his church, and my friend, we talked this morning about the word power and it meaning ability. The word here for power is a different word, which means and renders authority. He's giving them the authority to do that which he has commanded or asked of them. Can can I say something without trying to preach to the choir possibly tonight? Listen, it's still the church that has the responsibility of mission work. It's not conventions. It's not fellowships. It's not mission boards and clearing houses. There is no other greater entity on planet earth, my friend, that is commanded to do and send, that has been given the authority of Almighty God than the local New Testament church. The church has everything it needs to accomplish the work of God. People say, oh, preacher, I just don't know about that. There are some countries that are closed to the gospel, and if you don't get into some organization or some mission board, you'll not get into that. I tell you tonight, my friend, if God wants a man or a family into a particular work, I'm going to tell you and suggest to you tonight, there's not a person alive that can stop that. Last time I read my Bible, it is still God that opens doors. We were doing prison ministry several years ago and we were in a particular facility for death row for the state of Texas and there was a particular prison mission board and I knew some of the gentlemen that were involved in that work and one of the guys who sat on the board of directors contacted me and said, Brother Taylor, I was looking over some things and do you realize you qualify to be one of our missionaries? I said, brother, listen, I'm not trying to be ugly and I'm not trying to be antagonistic, but I'll just be real honest with you. I believe it's a doctrinal issue. I don't believe it's just preference. I believe it comes down to a philosophy and a practice of our doctrine. 
and, and we're just going to stay out of the local church. I, I appreciate your sentiments and things. But he said, but, but, but Taylor, you need to understand something. Our mission board, and he gave the name and things, will open doors for you that your church won't open. I said, brother, I'm not trying to be ugly tonight, but my church doesn't open doors. God does. It's God that opens doors. And God has the one that has ordained the church with authority to do that which he has asked the church to do. And so the church at Jerusalem sends a man whom was saved there, trained there, served there. And I'll just say this, he was able to be examined and tempered there. What do you mean by that? Listen, those men as they trained and developed and discipled Barnabas. Barnabas, the Bible says later, is a good man. How do they know that? Because he was examined. They looked at him and he proved himself. If a church is going to send out anybody, they ought to be willing and honestly required to prove their character and who they are. Barnabas proved himself right there in a church. He served, he labored, he did what God asked of him. And my friend, amazing that fact of what God did with the life of Barnabas. We could go over tonight, won't take time to do so, but there is this issue with sending. Sending is an issue in the Bible. How shall they preach except they be sent? Romans chapter number 10. And so there's the responsibility of the church and the pattern of church and, and missions. There's the recognition by the church and what is God leading us and what is God doing? What can we, uh, what can we get involved in that God would lead us to do? And then I want you to notice this about a missionary. Once the church has recognized what God is doing, and once they take the responsibility to prepare and send a man that's qualified, there's now the representative from the church. Barnabas goes, and notice what it says, verse 22. It says this very clearly, that he should go as far as Antioch. You know what that tells us? The church at Antioch, excuse me, the church at Jerusalem at this time is still his authority. They set limits on him. This is what you're going to do. This is why. Because Barnabas wasn't some rogue out here doing his own thing. He was a representative of the church at Jerusalem carrying that work and that ministry to a place that the congregation itself couldn't go, so they gave him authority as their representative to accomplish what God was leading them to do. Missionaries today are sent out from the authority of churches just like this one. And my friend, the church is the authority in that ministry or that missionary's life. Now that doesn't mean that the church needs to smother them and handcuff them and, you know, make sure that they, I'm not talking about that. But I'm just telling you, they're not out there doing their own thing either. Brother Raleigh and his family are going to Papua New Guinea out from under authority of Bible Baptist Church in Duncan, Oklahoma. 
and they're carrying us. They're our representative to the country of Papua New Guinea. We're excited about what God's doing with his family. We have a history. Our church does. We do in particular. My wife grew up in Papua New Guinea for 10 years. That's why if her manners are not always great, it's she grew up in a third world country. <laughs> I'm kidding. I am in trouble. I have no idea where I was now. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, Barnabas wasn't in Antioch performing his ministry. He was performing that which the church sent him to accomplish. Paul made a similar statement in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 20 as well as Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 20. He refers to himself as an ambassador. Ambassadors don't call their own shots, do their own thing. They represent somebody. And I understand that he was an ambassador of the Lord, certainly. But I'd also submit to you tonight, he was an ambassador of his church that sent him to accomplish what God wanted. There's the issue of the representative from the church. And then let me say this tonight. There's the results to a church. Here Barnabas is. He grew up in that church, saved in that church. He's trained, prepared there. The church catches word and God brings it to them in report of what's going on through some of their outreach ministries when they had dispersed men preaching the gospel. And so they're working in this city. Grecians are getting saved. They need somebody. They send Barnabas to do the work. And my friend, when they get there, the Bible teaches that he assembled with them a whole year, taught them, trained them, discipled them. Here's what it says in verse number, number 23. It says, who when he came and had seen the grace of God. I, I don't want to get tied down here, but I, I just can't help but mention, isn't it great to see the grace of God at work in people's lives? I tell you, one of the greatest joys as a pastor is to watch God work in people's lives. See the grace of God change them and teach them and lead them. And, and Barnabas got to Antioch and he saw the grace of God at work. He says he was glad and he exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And then it says that he went and got Saul to come and help him. And this church was organized and established. They became an autonomous church. So what is that? It's a fancy word which simply means they were self-governing. No longer were they under the umbrella or under the authority of the church of Jerusalem. They were organized and they were their very own full-fledged congregation. So preacher, what did they do after that? Chapter 13 with me. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers 
as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene and Manian, which had been, up with, been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost had separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work wherein I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. You know what the results were? The results were for this church at Antioch to continue what was done for them. They were established as a church, given the opportunity to serve and worship and honor God and know God in a real way. They were provided a house of God. And my friend, this church at Antioch took that commission seriously. And the results were the fact that they sent men to go do the very same thing that was done for them. As a New Testament church, we were established. Our particular church just celebrated 70 years. 70 years as a New Testament church. 70 years ago, a man by the name of Ralph Cole came to Duncan, Oklahoma out of Fort Worth, Texas and he started the Bible Baptist Church. What an honor we've had. But I'm going to tell you, and I try to tell our church often, that honor and what was given to us is not for us to sit on and just grow cold and indifferent and complacent with it. The Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. We've been given a very house of God. We've been honored. There, there are places, my friend, not just in the foreign countries. There are places right here in America that don't have a scriptural New Testament church within a hundred miles of it. What we have, what you have, as Mount Zion Baptist Church, you've been honored. You've been blessed. And I'm going to tell you what ought to result from that is a burden to be able to pass and provide to others what's been given to you. Paul makes a statement in his epistles. He says, I'm a debtor. I, because of what happened to him and what God did for him, Paul believed that he owed a debt. I think that's a good approach tonight. I think we ought to feel that in our own heart and realize how honored we are. The Bible says God sets the member. Do you realize just to be a member of one of the Lord's churches is a great privilege all in itself. And yet, my friend, we're not to sit on that and just take it in. We're to make sure that we pass that on and give others the opportunity that was given to us. So let me challenge you tonight. How are you going to respond? I, I don't know necessarily, and I didn't ask your pastor on purpose to start before we entered service tonight. I don't know necessarily know the history of Mount Zion Baptist Church. I, I know that y'all have, Brother Moore, to uh, the mission field and those things. But I don't know whether you've started other churches and those kind of things. But I'll tell you tonight, if you've started one, it doesn't mean it's anywhere to quit. There's still other places that need the gospel. There's still other places that need a church, a scriptural preaching 
church from the word of God. How are you going to respond? Let me give you some things that you ought to respond with. Understanding the privilege that is given to you, that's given to me, ought to cause us a greater desire to pray for laborers. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 9 that we're to pray for laborers. We ought to pray that God would raise up men and women, young people, right out of this church that would prepare themselves that this church one day as God leads and directs could be sent to carry the gospel and to plant churches just like this one. You ought to pray for that. You ought to respond with being willing to give towards that. Because it's not just about, well, yeah, preacher, I need to pray and talk about it and that kind of stuff. We ought to be willing to sacrifice. We ought to be willing to give our families, our very selves. We ought to come before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know if you'd ever call me to anywhere outside of right where I'm at. But I'm going to tell you tonight, Lord, I'd be willing. I'd be willing to go. I'd be willing to do whatever you want me to do. I'm just telling you the pattern of mission work is great. It's done through the house of God. And as God's people, we ought to find ourselves surrendered, again, not just to positions, but surrendered to a person. That that person might thereby direct us and send us to where he wants us to go. So I want to ask you tonight, how are you going to respond? We've talked a lot about doctrinal things tonight, and I understand that. But you can't practice right without right doctrine. And so the doctrine of missions is important. But I'm telling you, there's a practical side to this. We ought to find ourselves willing. Willing to surrender, to yield, to pray, to see God use this church in a great way for the cause of Christ. Every head's bowed and every eye's closed tonight. What are you willing to do to see the pattern of missions fulfilled at Mount Zion Baptist Church? I sure hope this family does something and I sure hope Brother Smith you know, direct, is directed towards the Lord and be able to do what needs to be done. I, I believe that that's alright to pray about and I believe that Brother Smith will take direction of the Lord and I believe that's alright to pray for other families but that's not what I'm asking about tonight. I'm asking about you. I told you we're going to focus a lot on us individually. And I think it's right because we have a responsibility as a part of the house of God to accomplish that which the Lord has for us. So what are you? How would you respond? Young person, listen to me. Teenager, the greatest thing you could do is surrender your life to the Lord. I'm not saying he'll call you to the foreign field, but I... 
believe with all my heart. You ought to be willing to go, whether it be across the street or across the globe, to do what God wants you to do. There's no greater privilege and there's no greater joy than to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. Won't you respond tonight? As a member of Mount Zion, won't you bow your head and humble yourself before him and ask him, well, God, please raise up laborers. Please help us. Please do what needs to be done. How about it this evening?